they say that when you travel to Central America that you really shouldn't drink the water because it might make you sick, sometimes really bad sick. So it's best to drink bottled water and to avoid the local water in Central America. And I've been to Central America on a few occasions, usually on mission trips. And one of those mission trips was to Honduras. And this happened um, right whenever I decided to enter seminary. So I was still in college, and uh, we, we went for a week into the mountains of Honduras. And we would visit these isolated families in the mountains who... It was just these small communities, and this, they just stayed there. I mean, it was a, a long walk to the nearest village. None of these people had cars. They did not have running wa- water. They did not have electricity, and it was as bare bones as it gets. And as we're ministering to them, um, I just knew that, okay, I need to make sure that I drink my bottled water. Well, these people also uh, very rarely got the sacraments because there was a priest shortage, and they kind of were dependent upon missionary priests coming their way. But it would happen about once a year, maybe, if they were lucky. And so I had the privilege on our trip, we had two priests that were with us. And so as we were visiting villages, people, well, the priests were able to provide all the sacraments, mass, confession, anointing of the sick, even baptisms, and all the above. And uh, and then meanwhile, we were visiting the families and doing some religious programs and all that fun stuff. Well, on one of our visits, I remember I went into this home, and it was just um, a widow, just a a woman that lived by herself. And all of these homes were just small. Most of them were just one room, maybe two rooms, and uh, dirt floors. And um, me and the priest were the only ones visiting this particular um, home. And she was so happy that we were there. She was honored. She really had never had a visitor in her entire life because that's how isolated these people are. And so um, she wanted to honor us by serving us. So she immediately uh, gets excited and says a bunch of things in Spanish that I don't understand. And then she walks into her, she actually had two rooms. It was like a kitchen and a a not kitchen. So we were in the not kitchen. (laughs) which would serve as like the bedroom and the living room and everything else room. And so she went into her little kitchen area and she starts making us a drink. And so now I'm starting to get nervous because I'm thinking, oh my goodness, what am I going to do? Because I don't want to refuse the drink. I'll be, I would feel so bad. This woman is so happy we're there, but I know that if I drink it, I'm going to get sick and there's not even running water over here. And this is not the place I want to get sick. And we are miles away from the nearest hospital or airport or what happened. And so, sure enough, she comes out, and she made us a fruta. And a fruta, I think in different Latin American countries, it means a different thing. But um, for them, this was basically just, you get a native fruit, and you mash it up, and then you put it in a glass of water. And, um, and now you have this, like, floating, <laughs> like, water thing, like, yellow, like, pieces just floating. It was really, it, it was... A little scary looking, and I wasn't sure what I was going to do, because even in America, I probably wouldn't have even drink this drink. <laughs> and so I just turned to the priest, and I'm like, looking at him, and he's like, lifting his eyebrows with a, with a smirk. And then she says a bunch of other things in Spanish, and walks to the room again, to her kitchen again, 
And I turned to the priest, and he understands Spanish, so I'm like, what did she say? And he's like, oh, she's so happy we're here and all this, and just kind of explaining what's going on. I said, well, what are we going to do? And he says, we're going to drink it. And I start thinking to myself, oh, my gosh, you can't be serious. And so he, sure enough, takes a deep breath, puts his big boy pants on, and he drinks the whole thing just in one gulp. He just shotguns that thing like he's on spring, uh, like senior trip at Florida or something. He just drinks that, he drinks that fruta, and he just accepts the consequences for it. And now it's my turn. And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, well, guess what? I'm going to use my brain instead of um, just, you know, doing something automatically. So I had a water bottle that I was going to use because I was carrying my, my water jug with me in, in my backpack. So I thought, I will drink the water in my water bottle really fast, and then I'll pour the fruta in the water bottle. And then she won't know that I didn't drink her drink, but I was still able to honor her by not having an, a full glass while we're visiting. And if I do it real quick, before she returns, all will be well. And so now the pressure's on, the clock is ticking. And so now I'm, I'm drinking my water bottle and I'm trying to drink as fast as I can this water bottle. And, um, and then I finally like get enough empty in my water bottle and now it's time to pour the fruta in there. But you see my water bottle has a very narrow head to it. <laughs> and, um, the, and her glass is much larger. And so now I'm trying to pour this fruta in my water bottle and it just starts to spill. It spills everywhere, and there's fruta on the floor, and it's this, it's a dirt floor, and so it's very obvious, and you have like orange, oh, yellow and orange chunks like all over the floor. So it's obvious that like I just threw her stuff on the ground. And so then I was humiliated and embarrassed that I did not honor this woman as I should have, or at least as I could have. And it's amazing, you know, it's, it's a natural human experience to uh, preserve, seek, well, to seek your own needs. That's just how humans survive. So um, this is a good thing. We all kind of have that basic instinct of taking care of ourselves in every situation. And that's a good thing. But it's amazing how sometimes whenever we put our needs at such a high priority, it sometimes becomes a barrier to loving others. And you see, in the gospel today, there's a lot going on, and Jesus, it's very dense. This is the gospel of John. It's so beautiful, but you can spend hours and hours just unpacking different paragraphs of this gospel, and, and, and today's reading is one of those situations. But one of the lines that really stands out to me and always has, it's really stuck with me throughout the years, is this. He who loves his life loses it. And he who hates his life in this world preserves it for eternal life. He who loves his life loses it, and he who hates his life preserves it. Okay, so maybe you've met a teenager before that was embarrassed once, and they said, oh my gosh, I hate my life. Is that what Jesus is asking us to do? To be dramatic and say that we hate our life. You know, there's another passage in the gospel where Jesus uses the, the verb hate again. And where he does that, um, he says, He who does not hate his mother and father and brother and sister does not have a place in the kingdom of heaven. 
Has anyone else been confused by that one? Like, why would Jesus say to hate your family? That just doesn't, surely he didn't mean that because that doesn't make any sense. Surely God doesn't want us to break families apart. But you see, in the language that Jesus was speaking, the word hate wasn't always meaning extreme disgust over a person, hoping that somebody didn't exist. That's usually not, I mean, it could mean that, but a lot of times, especially in, um, in just colloquial discussion, it was used in a hyperbolic sense, um, more to just mean kind of like a detachment. And so Jesus was kind of uh, emphasizing the need to have a healthy detachment. And so another way to read this passage is to say, um, he who clings to his life will lose it. But he who has a healthy detachment about his life will preserve it for eternal life. And it's the same for the hating father and mother piece. It's, it's he who has a healthy detachment about the family meaning he who is able to put God first above the family, which is still challenging, that's the person that has eternal life. And so God is inviting us to have this healthy sense of detachment. And why would he do that? Because you see, when we are so concerned about our needs and we're constantly grasping for our, our desires and, and all the things that we think that we need, we become really self-absorbed. We become really attached in an unhealthy way to the things of this world. And our self-absorption becomes a barrier in our relationships with everyone else. You see, God is not self-absorbed. God is love. We know this. And love is the opposite of self-absorption because love is self-gift, self-sacrificing for another, not self-absorbed, not selfish not clinging to your own needs and nothing else. And Jesus is a primary example for us of someone who has a healthy detachment. He was not afraid of persecution. He was not afraid of being misunderstood. And he was not afraid of his reputation being messed up. And he was not afraid of suffering. And he was not afraid of death itself. The only thing he was afraid of was displeasing God the Father. That is a healthy detachment because he put the will of the Father above every single thing else, even death, and therefore died on a cross for you and me so that he could rise, conquer death, and invite us into eternal life. That's what God wants for us, is this healthy detachment. You see, when we are attached to everything else, we have this the sense of being enslaved, of being bound, because we are enslaved to our own rapidly changing desires and opinions. But detachment leads to freedom, and freedom leads to love. And if we truly want to love God and love others, we have to discover that freedom that comes from a healthy detachment. So what are you clinging to? What are you clinging to today in this season of your life? Because we all cling to something. 
Maybe you're clinging to comfort. Anything that stretches you outside of your comfort zone is just too much for you to handle. Or maybe you're clinging to control. Maybe you are a control freak. You're kind of OCD. You like to have your life in control. You like to control your, your spouse's life, maybe your children's life. And when things are out of your control, you freak out and you can't keep up and you have a panic attack. Or maybe you cling to your health. Maybe you're so nervous about getting sick that you start to isolate yourself from healthy relationships and now you're in a little bit of a depression because you're so afraid to live your life. Or maybe you're clinging to your money because you feel like you just can't ever get enough of it, that the bills just keep coming and, and your children keep spending all of your money and you're just so stressed and anxious, you're nervous about the economy and the stock market and everything else and it robs you of all your peace. Maybe you're, maybe you're clinging to your time. Maybe you feel like you just don't have enough time. You're being pulled in too many directions. And you just can't get a moment for yourself. And so now you're just impatient. And you're just a ticking time bomb of losing your temper. Or maybe you're just clinging to some kind of unhealthy sin. All sin is unhealthy, but... Maybe you're clinging to some type of repetitive sin that you know it's wrong, you know it's bad, but you just can't seem to stop, or you don't even know if you really feel that guilty about it because you just seem to like it too much, but you know deep down that it's ruining your relationship with God, and it's ruining your family and all your other relationships. It's destroying your life because it's unhealthy, but you just can't seem to let it go. We all cling to something but our invitation today is to acknowledge what it is. Maybe it's a few things. And as we acknowledge it, these are the types of things that we bring to the altar. That is why we spend half of our liturgy at the altar. Because what's happening is that Jesus offers himself up to the Father in that moment but he brings all of our prayers and needs with him. And one of the most important things that we need to pray for is our healthy detachment from the things that are keeping us away from God. There's always something. But if we can get to a place where we're able to acknowledge it and give it to Jesus, there is so much freedom. And therefore, so much ability for us to love each other and ultimately love God the Father.